0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Bacchus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. He's alive and well. But did you know that he's still seeking out his creation? Amen? He's still seeking out those who are lost. The Bible says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. He came so that he could serve you and I by sacrificing his life, by laying down his will, by submitting his will to the Father so that you and I could know true life. Amen. But I believe, church, that there's still people in this world who are living without the hope. They're living without the hope that you and I have found in Jesus. Amen? I'm grateful that you found Jesus. I'm grateful that many of you profess Christ. But maybe there's even somebody amongst us this morning. You could be thinking today is just another day. You were invited by a friend or a family member to come to to our, our church. And we thank God for you and we bless God for you. But you might be thinking today is just another day. Well, I've got good news for you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Amen? Today is the day of salvation, that our God today will still rescue somebody's life from the pit of hell. Amen? From the pits of hell, from the grips of Satan and all his darkness and all his dominion. And I want to speak to you for a few moments about Jesus. Amen? That should always be the topic of conversation when we come to the house of God. Amen? He is the endless one. He's the eternal one. He's the one whom his, his 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 name just rolls off your lips and you can say his name forever. Because did you know, church, that one day when we inherit that glorious kingdom, there will be no other name to speak about. Amen. Some people are concerned with speaking about their neighbor, amen. Some people are concerned with speaking about politicians. Other people get concerned with saying things from their mouths and from their lips. But listen, the courts of heaven only say one name, and that is the name of Jesus. Amen. And they declare him holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for all eternity. Amen. He is the name above all names. But I want to speak to you about Jesus today. And I want to just lead you through this gospel story because... The video was perfect. It actually went in with everything that I have to share with you this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that the Lord created man. Amen? We see that God created man, and God's original design and plan was to have relationship with his creation. Amen? The original design of God was that he would fellowship with man day and night, that he would have communion with man day and night. And so when the Lord created man, he created man in his image. He created them with the fiber and the nature of God. He created them in his likeness, amen, so that they would forever be in relationship with God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 says this, so God created mankind In his own image. It says, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice there's two genders. Male and female, he created them. Amen. Amen. And since the beginning, God has desired to only have fellowship with his creation. This is the plan of God from the garden that he would fellowship with man, that he would talk with man, that him and man would have a relationship every single day. His plan for their life would be that they would be fruitful and that they would multiply, amen? That they would fill the earth with the glory of God and that they would subdue the earth. That means that they would have dominion over all things created. This is the plan that the Lord had established and designed for man to live by. And since the beginning, God was working with his creation. He was working with Adam. And in Genesis chapter 2, God gives Adam this commandment. Genesis 2 and 17, he says this. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. How many of you know, church, that what God commands isn't optional? Amen. When God gives a command, it's not subjective to opinion. It's not supposed to be redefined, but it is a command from God. God doesn't make mistakes when he speaks. Jesus said this. He said, my words to you are spirit and they are life. When God speaks, he creates When the Lord shares, when the word of God is preached, the spirit of God rests upon his own words and gives life to souls. He says, you must not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you do, you will certainly die. Last time I checked, dying means dead. And dead means death. And death means decay. So he gives this commandment to Adam. He gives it to him to hold fast to this very word that was spoken over his life. But then Adam meets a lovely woman. By the name of Eve, and God takes a rib from the side of Adam, and he forms Eve, and they begin to dwell and inhabit in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, introduces the serpent. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But did God say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden? And you must not touch it or you'll die? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now I want us to notice a few important things here. Number one is Satan will always cause you to question what God has said. The enemy will always cause you to question what the Lord has spoken over your life, what the Lord has spoken over your identity, what the Lord has spoken over your family, what the Lord has spoken over your ministry. Notice what the serpent said. He said, did God really say? I can guarantee that there's been time and time again in the lives of every single one of us that have bear the name of Jesus upon our hearts that that you've heard a word of God. The word was preached to you. The word was ministered over your life. And then the next thing that happens is, was that really the truth? Is that really what God says? Is that really is it really possible that God could do that? What is the enemy doing? He's causing you to bring into question what God has said because the enemy is the father of lies. And by nature, he is a deceitful one. By nature, his plan is to deceive you. How many of you know that people that are deceived don't even know it? Somebody else has to point it out to them. Because the spirit that the enemy puts upon an individual's life brings confusion. It brings question. And it brings everything that is against what God has said. But what God says actually carries the meaning and is able to fulfill the purpose from what was said. Every word of God is like a seed. And that seed has the ability to produce what was said. So when you receive the word of God over your life, then guess what? It has the ability to produce that which was spoken over your life. So if the word comes to you that says, you will surely live and you will not die, that word has power. But we also know the Bible says that life and death and blessings and curses, they come from the tongue. And they come from the power of the tongue. And so when the enemy spoke to Adam and Eve and caused them to question God, he said something that caused them to lose their seed. It caused them to change their mind about what God said. He said, did God really say? The second thing is this, is Satan will always subtly try to disguise sin. Satan will always try to masquerade. The Bible says that he masquerades as an angel of light. that means that it looks good, but it's not good. It might sound good. It might be appealing to your heart or your spirit. But guess what? It is always contrary to what God has spoken. Can I give you a key this morning, church? For those of you that are saved that know God, you need to know his word. Amen? You need to know the word of God. Because if you do not know the word of God, you will be deceived. You need to know the word of God. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. It says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so whenever the enemy gets his grip upon your life. And all of a sudden you start to see yourself falling away from God. Then you need to get in the word. Amen. You need to know what it is that the Lord has spoken over your life. Because if you're ignorant to the word you're ignorant to God. If you're ignorant to the word of God, you are ignorant to his voice. And that the next time that the enemy speaks something, you'll think it's the voice of God. Amen. The next moment that Adam and Eve bought into the lie of Satan, sin entered into the world. This sin came as a curse for their life and they immediately felt shame. They immediately began to hide themselves in the garden. They hid themselves from God because of their nakedness. And God would then, because of their disobedience, allow them now to live a life that would suffer hardship and trial. And Satan, though, would be forever cursed from God to one day be crushed by Jesus. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says this, So therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, in this same way, death came to all men because all have sinned. I'm going to get to the good part in just a second, but the ugly part is this. is The Bible says, for all have sinned and all fall short of God's glory. We have to understand this and we have to know this and we have to embrace this. Because the ugly truth is this, church, is our sins, our sins nailed him to the cross. He did not go to the cross just because he felt like it. He did not go to the cross just because it was something that was prophesied over his life. It was because there was a payment to be made. And that payment would ultimately cost Jesus his blood. It would ultimately cost him his life. But here's the deal. He went to that cross because guess what? He had you in mind. He had your sin in mind. He had my sin in mind. He had the very thing that caused that detachment and the separation from us to God. He had that in mind, church. The enemy who is Satan would love nothing more than every listening ear in this room and those watching online to dismiss our sin and our wrongdoing and our evil. Most people, if you ask them, if they're going to heaven, they'll say, well, I'm a good person. In your goodness, you are not good enough. In your goodness, you're not good enough. The Bible says that our works are like filthy rags unto God. That means that you could attend a thousand church services in your lifetime. And guess what? That still doesn't mean that you're going to go into heaven. The Bible even says that Jesus would speak one day to some group of people that said, Depart from me, I never knew you. But Lord, we prophesied in your name, I never knew you. I didn't know you by name. I didn't know your life. Your life was not hidden in mine. You did not remain in me. Our works do not get us to heaven. It's only through the blood of Jesus and the justification of his sacrifice for our life that has paid the payment that we must receive to get to heaven. There's no other way, church. I said there's no other way. The facts have not changed. Every person born into this world has been born. A lost sinner in desperate need of salvation. Can I get you, Alisma, to quench my thirst? (laughs) Everybody say thank you for Alisma. Ah. Romans 3.23, I quoted it a minute ago, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Did you notice my voice change? Holy cow. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle. Amen. (laughs) For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the question of the hour is this. How can sinful man who is designed to have relationship with God and purpose with God be brought back into that plan? How can a sinful creation, a sinful people be brought back into the fold where we now have relationship with God? God would have to give his son as a sin offering and a sacrifice to die in the place of all sinners. Amen. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26 says this. Such a high priest meets our need. I'm going to stop there just for a second. In the Old Testament, it used to be that the the high priest, they would have to go and they would have to sacrifice an animal. They would have to bring an animal as an offering before the altar of God. And as that animal was slain, they would bring the best offering that they could have. And that animal's blood would make atonement for the sin of the people for one year. And they had to go through the high priest. If they wanted to be pardoned by God and forgiven by sin, forgiven of their sins, then they had to go to the high priest. But Hebrews brings it a step further, and it says this. Such a high priest, this is Jesus. He meets our need because he is one who was holy, and he was blameless, and he was pure, and he was set apart from sinners, and he was exalted above the heavens. Jesus was the only one who was able to fulfill the requirements necessary to become the atoning sacrifice for our sins once and for all. Amen. Amen. How many of you are grateful for Jesus? Romans 3 and verse 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith to be received by faith Hebrews 9 and verse 28 says so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time but not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him how many of you know that Jesus is going to return amen. amen how many of you know that Jesus is going to return That should be the best thing that you hear today. You want to know why? Because heaven and earth is going to pass away. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the Lord has prepared an eternal home for those who have trusted in the name of Jesus, for those who come to him in faith to receive forgiveness of their sins and to have a seat in heaven with the glorious king that we know and love. I am awaiting that day, church. And can I tell you, with warning in, your heart, in my heart today, understand, church, the Lord is coming and the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. There's prophetic signs all around us. There's things that are happening in our world today that are showing the birth pangs of a soon and returning king. And that birth is going to be a glorious one for those who know Jesus. It's going to be a glorious day, church. But for those who do not know Jesus... It is a day of fear and a day that they must dread. Because on that day, people will go two separate ways. Some into the courts of the king and some in the courts of heaven. But others to an eternity apart from Christ. Because while they had the opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior... They rejected him. The only reason why a holy God would give his perfect son for a sinful creation, church, is because he loves them. And he longs to be with you forever. I don't know about you, but I've experienced the love of God in my life. How about you? The love of God is the most powerful thing that this world has ever seen. Amen? Amen. And this is why the enemy is working fast to distort what love actually looks like. This is why the enemy is working overtime to distort what true love actually looks like. The Bible says that if you do not know God, then you do not know love. But anyone who knows God knows love because God is absolute and perfect love. But mankind goes about their business and goes about their way and they allow the enemy to speak words over their life to distort what God has created. To distort the way God has established life to be. Love is not love. God is love. Amen. Yes. I'll say it one more time. Love is not love. I cannot just say that I love my dog, and that's pure love, although he's cute. You should see him. He's amazing. He's about this tall. He's short, and he's long. He's half Australian Shepherd and half Corgi. It's the funniest-looking animal you've ever seen in your life. But he's cute, and he's mine. But even if I tell my dog I love my dog, that's not perfect love. Even if I say I love this restaurant or I love this food or I love that movie, that's not perfect love. The only definition that we can derive love from is from God who has agape love. Eternal, unconditional, endless love that he will have for you and for me. Amen. And the Bible says that when we come to know that love, that there is nothing that this world can do to separate us from the love that God has for us. Amen. How many of you know his love this morning? But the Lord longs to have relationship with you. He longs to know you. He longs to fellowship with his creation. Romans 5 and 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Christ died for us. The Bible teaches that our curse became his cross. That our curse became his cross. And what you and I deserve, Jesus took upon his back, upon his life, and upon his body. He willingly took it for your sins. He willingly took it. The Bible says that he was like a lamb that was led silent to the slaughter. He goes on to say in John chapter 10, he said, No one takes my life, but the Son of Man lays down his life. You see, while he took our place in place of a criminal named Barabbas, he still willingly laid his life down because no one took it from him. He was obedient and submissive to his father until the very end. For every curse the enemy church has launched against your life, Christ has defeated all of the principalities of wickedness through the cross. That went over some of your heads. I said, for every curse that the enemy has spoken toward your life, every curse the enemy has brought against your family, every curse that has been a part of your family lineage for generation after generation, every sinful and wicked thing, all the things that the enemy has launched against you, Christ defeated every single one, church, through the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so the cross is the intersection where death meets life, where the hopelessness meets hope, and where the wretched are damned, but the righteous are raised in victory. How many of you are thankful for the cross of Jesus? Amen. But I'm just getting to the good part. Everybody say, I need the good part. Say it like you mean it. I need the good part, Pastor. Here we go. The most beautiful part of the gospel is not that Jesus died, but the fact that he rose again three days later. Come on, somebody. I'm so thankful that he took my place. I'm so thankful that he died on my behalf. But guess what? I'm even more grateful that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive, church. 1 Corinthians 15, I love this verse. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. As if there was any question. Says, no, 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 my friend. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, which was Adam. The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man named Jesus. For as in Adam, the firstborn of the natural, all die. So in Christ, the firstborn, supernatural, all will be made alive. That's good news, amen? The death of Christ, church, proved that he was fully man. But the resurrection proved that he was fully God. He died in our place just like you and I will one day die. And our body will remain here in the earth. But because he trusted his father so much, guess what? He knew that his father's plan was perfect. And that his father, the very same spirit, the Bible says that raised Jesus from the dead, will also live inside of your life. And that when you receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the very same spirit that resurrected Jesus from a tomb will resurrect your life to be with him forever. Man, that's good news. On the third day, Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother, Mary, they went to his tomb. And there they encountered an angel in Matthew 28 and verse 5. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. So come and see the place where he lay. There's a lot of people that are still looking for the Messiah. In fact, there's a whole nation. There's a whole group of people. The Jewish people are still looking for the coming Messiah. They're still looking for the Savior of the world. There's people in this, in this world right now that are looking to a politician to bring them hope. They're looking to a president to bring them hope. They're looking to opiates and addictions and all kinds of things to bring them hope. But guess what, my friend? Every single thing that this world has to offer you will end in the grave. Every single thing that we would turn to, to know, to find hope from, will end you up in a grave. But there is only one, church, that has given his life. And guess what? You will not find him in the grave. You will find him seated at the right hand of the Father. He is still seated there today, church. So don't go looking for a grave or looking to a grave to find your Savior. Because you're not going to find him there, church. You won't find him there. You will not find a living God in a dead tomb. Oh, man, I love Jesus. How about you? I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Hmm. Charles Spurgeon said, if you don't find salvation in Christ, you won't find it anywhere else. There's no other options There's no other name on the ballot You can't vote for anybody else He's king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? The Bible says and the government would be upon his shoulders. He is the prince of peace. He is the lord of glory. He is God almighty, church. He is the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. He is the bright and morning star. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first amongst the dead. He is the rose of Sharon. He is God almighty. And guess what? There is salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name given to man by which we must be saved how many of you know Jesus this morning he is good and he is faithful oh man he's so good the fact is is that the blood of Jesus was the most powerful substance to ever touch the face of this earth the moment the drops of blood flowed from his side To hit the dirt of this world, church, the veil was torn in two. The veil which held that that chasm between us and God, it was torn in two, church. And the Bible says that the earth quaked. Because he is the living son of God. I shared this on Friday. The scripture calls him in these portions, in the latter parts of his life, the son of man. Calls him the son of man. And the truth is, is this, is that Jesus became the son of man even though he was the son of God. So sons of men could become sons of God. So that we could know him. As Lord, so that we can be grafted. The Bible uses this word in the book of, uh, in the book of, uh, oh God, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> I'll read it to you later. <laughs> Hebrews, I believe. Romans, I'm sorry. That we were grafted into sonship. I need to let you know, because I, 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 I'm probably certain that most of us are not Jewish But the Bible says that he came to save both the Jew and the Gentile, that salvation would be for all mankind. Amen. And those of us who are Gentiles, which is probably everybody in this room, we're like adopted stepchildren. See, it wasn't originally for us, but guess what? He loved us enough that he said, I'm going to bring you into my own. I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to receive you as my own. I can share this with you because you're looking at a young man that didn't know his father. He was born into this world and had a father that said, I choose not to know you, and I choose not to love you, and I choose not to choose you. And at the ripe old age of about two and a half, my mom would get remarried, and I had a dad. And at the early age of two and a half, I didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. I just said, this is my dad, right? Just grow up and then later as I got older, you know, and and I realized and, you know, my parents, you know, talked to me and I realized like this man wasn't actually my, my biological father. But yet he loved me as his own. And I don't know about you, but to me, that's one of the best descriptions and pictures of our father in heaven that we have. Because the very people that were actually his own children rejected him. See, it wasn't the other way. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the father rejecting the children. It was the children rejecting the father. But he said, you know what? That's not enough. Every single one of them belongs to me. And my purpose and my plan is that they would all know me. And that they would all know this endless love that I have for them. That they would one day call me Abba, Father. That they would one day be grafted into the family of God through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. You see, there's no mountain of diamonds, church. There's no ocean of gold. There's nothing that is compared to one drop of the blood of Jesus. Nothing that you could ever find in this world will satisfy because the blood of Jesus secures for us what nothing else can. And that's eternal life. Amen. That is eternal life through Jesus. There's a spiritual death, though, that must take place in the heart of every man and every woman in order to be born again. You might be asking, Pastor, what does that mean? It means this John chapter 3 and verse 4 Jesus has a conversation with a very wise man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus asked the question, He says, How can someone be born when they are old? He says, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. You see being born of the water is to be born of natural means, amen. It means to be born in a, in a natural human way, in the same way that you and I came into this world, amen. But to be born of the spirit means that there would be a, a supernatural birth that would take place. And the only way any man or woman can be born a second time is they they first must die to themselves. Because in the same way that Jesus was resurrected, we first must die to ourselves so that he can resurrect us in the spirit. There's no other way. You see, a man or woman cannot be raised to life until they're dead. John 14 and 6 says this, Jesus answered, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen. And no one comes to the Father except Through me. So the scripture is teaching us: so unless we come through the door of salvation that is Christ's sacrifice and life, we will never receive forgiveness of sins and have abundant life or an eternity with God. It's only until we humble ourselves and we throw ourselves at the feet of Christ. It's only then that we will that He will be Lord of our life. It's only then until we come to Jesus in humility that he will lead us one day into everlasting victory. That he will lead you one day as we live here on this earth and he will give you a new life. But we first have to humble ourselves. And I'm sure I could get a witness in here this morning, amen? I'm sure there's many people in here today that were once dead, but now they are alive in Jesus, amen? Can I get a witness this morning? But I'm here to tell you that Christ's resurrection not only gives you hope for the future, but it also offers you healing for the scars that you have now. See, a lot of people sometimes they say, oh, well, I'll just receive Jesus and then live my life how I want. And think that somehow they're going to enter into that kingdom. But remember the verse I quoted earlier, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. There's a price to pay, and that is we give Jesus over our life. A lot of people are willing to get saved and receive salvation, which is the free gift that Jesus offers, but not a lot of people are willing to receive Him as Lord. There's a difference between salvation and Lordship. Salvation is a free gift that you received, Lordship is surrender and death. There's a difference. The payment has already been made in your, on your behalf, but guess what? The thing that we offer back to God is our very life. Oh, yes. That in everything that we do, we say, the places that we go, the people that we listen to, the behavior that we live in our life, we live it in a, life, in a way that is worthy of the King who died for us. Yeah. Because every single day, the Bible says, though we are outwardly wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Why? Because he created us in his image. And at the end of your life and at the end of my life, we should look a lot more like Jesus than we do of this world. There should be an identifying mark of the fruit of the spirit upon your life so that people will know that you belong to Jesus and you don't just belong to a church. Amen. So the people will be able to see the radiance of the glory of God of Jesus Christ reigning in your heart and in your life. Because guess what? If you don't look like him, then you're misrepresenting him. And so every day the Lord's plan for your life is that you would come into that place where you die to self and you receive him as Lord And every day the Lord begins to sanctify you, transform you, begin to just reform your life to look like him. Amen. This is what the Lord is asking of us. I can tell you, church, that when I chose to follow Christ, it was the greatest moment of my life. It was the most powerful thing that I ever experienced in my life. Because first and foremost, my sins were wiped away and nailed to the cross. I cannot tell you that as a 15-year-old kid, I didn't even know how much sin I had until it was off my back. Sometimes we don't even know what it is that we've been carrying for all these years until you surrender to Jesus and he frees you from it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, man, I had no idea. But I remember when I got saved, I was 15 years old, and, and I always share this testimony. But as a 15-year-old kid receiving Christ in his life, for the very first time, I felt what was like a million-pound weight just lift off of my life. And the second thing that I felt and for the very first time was love. I never knew what love was until I encountered Jesus on that day. Transformation happens when the hand of God is upon your life. Simultaneously, the blood of Jesus washed me clean. His blood brought me healing, love, forgiveness, and purpose to my life. He brought me into a right relationship with Him and with my Father in heaven. And in that moment, I was adopted as a child of God. And like the scripture says in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, He says, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. I can testify, church, that when I died to myself and my will, I was not only resurrected and born again, but I was forgiven of sin. And from that day on, I began to truly live. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, but I have come that you might have life, and you might have it abundantly, amen? That doesn't just mean in the next life, in eternal life. That means here and now. That means here today. That means that there could be healing if you need healing upon your life. That means that there could be forgiveness of sin. There could be transformation over your life. The Lord can touch you here and now, church. You don't have to wait to glory to encounter God. Jesus is here with us now, amen? How many of you could testify to that this morning? But I have to say this because a lot of people think when they come to Jesus and when they come to Christ that they're losing out on life. Then now all of a sudden life is boring. But guess what, church? It is just the opposite. It is the most wonderful privilege to be led by Jesus. It is the most wonderful thing to know that Christ is leading your life. It's the most wonderful, rewarding life that you could ever live on this earth. Because guess what? That is truly to know the power of his resurrection. That's where you see the power of his goodness in your life. And it's so powerful, church, to know that the God of this universe cares for you and cares for me. That he loves you and that he loves me. It's so amazing to think and know that the God who formed you in your mother's womb wants to show you daily his love. Oh, man. It's so comforting to know that his mercy and his ways and his heart, he wants to give them to you every single day. See, Jesus loves you. The Lord loves you, church. And there's somebody in this place this morning that you've never received the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of God over your life. There's been things that were done into your life. There's been things that happened in your life as a result of very sinful and wicked things. And you've held on to those things and you've lived in that shame your entire life. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants to set you free. Because the most beautiful thing about coming to Christ is this. The Bible says that he forgets our sins and he remembers them no more. Amen. The Bible says that he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. I tried to take a measurement of that and I can't find the end. I don't got a tape measure long enough. That is an eternity apart. It's an infinite, infinite number apart. It, and that means that he will never remember your sins. That once the Lord forgives you of your life, past, present, and future sin, he will remember it no more, church. It's not my word. It's God's word. And so the question of the hour comes a verse later, and it says this in John 11 and 26. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? whoever lives by believing in me will never die. But do you believe this? You see, the Bible gives a clear invitation and instructions of how to step into a relationship with Christ. To receive salvation that he died to give us. Amen. And it's very simple. And as I feel the Holy Spirit present this morning, I just want you to just bow your heads with me this morning just for a moment. Holy Spirit, we just love you. We thank you, God. Lord, I know your spirit is ministering to many people this morning. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that there would be a response to your invitation in your heart, Lord, this morning. Amen. Romans 10, verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As I ask everyone to just stand to your feet with me this morning, I want to give everyone in here and those who are watching online the opportunity to receive Christ this morning. While I know that there's many people in here that have professed Jesus, I'm sure, as their Lord and Savior, with a crowd this size, I am certain to believe that not everyone has. And I wanna be very clear and honest with you this morning, and I hope that you've understood the word clearly as the Holy Spirit has allowed me to share it with you today. But this decision right now that you are about to make is solely between you and the Lord, it's solely between you and God. It's a personal one. Because you must know this Jesus died for you personally. That means that when the Lord was hanging upon the cross and they had pierced his side and they had mocked him and they had whipped his back 39 times and they had torn out the beard off of his face, your name. Your life came across his mind. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at give.